2: You know, it's always difficult to preach about money, right? But do you know that the Bible wrote a lot about money? In fact, half of Jesus' parable talks about wealth and money. Examples of it were the Ten Talents, the Rich Fools, the Lost Coin, the Rich Man and Lazarus, the shrewd Manager, and many more. I'll be using today's scripture to talk about one, two, three, four, five. In case you're wondering, that's not my bank account number. But from the verses, we will explore one question from Jesus that reveals two fears. But at the same time, the Bible shows us three principles of God's provision, and we'll share with you four common ways we can use our money however at the end of the sermon i will recommend to you one unique way which is the fifth way to use our money sounds good let's go ahead and get start to explore the bible together let's turn our bible the scripture to john chapter 6 1 to 15 john chapter 6 1 to 15. you know there was a very wealthy man who was at his deathbed and he invited three of his best friends that he trusted and he said to himself, I'm going to prove them all wrong. I'm going to take my money with me when I die. The three friends were of noble profession. One was a professor, the other is a doctor, and the third one is a pastor. This wealthy man gave them $100,000 each and requested them that when he died. Place the money in the envelope and put it in a coffin and bury it. When the day came at the funeral, the three friends came and they all placed the envelope in the coffin. After the ceremony, they came together to fellowship and they were just talking about this weird request a friend had. The professor finally said that, hey, I really need to get this off my chest. But we all know this money wasn't going to do any good buried under the ground. Hence, I took $50,000 for my school education fund and we put $50,000 in an envelope and put it in the coffin. At the same time, the doctors will say, Hey, now that you have confessed, I also have a confession. I also take $70,000 out and put it in my hospital fund. So I only put $30,000 in the envelope. So at this point, both of them all look at the pastor and they wonder what confession you make the pastor said this to them i'm just so ashamed of all of you our friend trusted us how can you do that to him i didn't keep anything back in fact i wrote a check of hundred thousand and put it in the envelope and into the coffin moral of the story don't play play with your pastor they are smarter than you think Okay, let's continue the Bible. I hope you have already turned to John 6, 1 to 15. I will be reading from ESV version. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand lifting up his eyes then and seeing a large crowd was coming towards him jesus said this to philip and highlight this in verse 5 here where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat he said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do philip answered him and highlight this in verse 7 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little one of his disciples andrew simon peter's brother said to him and highlight again in this verse 9 there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish but what are they for so many jesus said have the people sit down now there was much grass in a place left by those who had eaten when the people saw the signs that he had done they said this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him King Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself let us pray father we thank you for this message we thank you for your word Father, Lord, would you open up our ears today, would you open up our eyes, would you open up our minds, Lord, to receive your word that it may deposit deep within us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in today's scripture, Jesus saw a great crowd and they were hungry. This crowd were hungry for his words. They were hungry for his healing. And after a long day, They were hungry for food. And Jesus asked the disciple, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? We can often see Jesus asking questions like that. In fact, Jesus asked more questions than he gave answers. Example of his questions, who do you say I am? Why are you so afraid? Do you love me? And many more. But this question, where are we to buy bread so that the people may eat, seemed a bit trivial, but it was an important question. It was an important question. And how do we know that? We know that because, firstly, in verse 6, the author added an important emphasis here that Jesus said this to test them. Jesus said this to test them. When we see the intentionality of this question, we know there is an important question. The second reason why this was an important question was that this was a significant story that was repeated in all the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, not many stories were mentioned in all the four books. Now, here's a question for you. The Bible said that Jesus asked this to test them. What exactly was he testing? What exactly was Jesus testing? Was this a question of food choice? Shall we choose between bread versus fish? Burger versus sushi? I don't think so, right? Was this a question then of logistic? Was Jesus testing them on how do we get As fast as possible, the food to people because they were so hungry. Maybe we should call food Panda or Deliveroo. Before we answer the question of what was Jesus asking, let's first hear the answer from the disciples. So from this one question, where are we to buy bread, came two answers. One by Philip and the other by Andrew, Peter's brother. Two very good answers. But interestingly, it revealed two big fears in lives. Now, Philip answered in verse 7, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. How much was 200 denarii worth of bread? It was equivalent to buy one lorry of bread at that time. What Philip was saying was, even we have one lorry of bread, one lorry of bread, it would still not be enough. Now that's a lot of bread because we're talking about feeding 5,000 crowd. How big was that? You no, know, Last week we had a big feast here, right? And it was one of the biggest pot blasts I've seen. There was about 500, 600 people last week. Right? It took us quite a lot of planning to get that done. But the crowd back then in Jesus' day was 10 times of what we saw last week. Essentially, what Philip meant was demand was too large. His fear was the demand was too large, too big for him. So to him, it was impossible to feed so many people, especially when you don't plan it in advance. The second answer came from Andrew, who answered Jesus in verse 9. There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But listen to what he said here. But what are they for so many? What are they for so many? Andrew identified there was food, but it was just too little, right? Five loaves, two fish. Essentially, what he meant was the supply was just too small. The supply was just too small. The fear was that it was not enough. Now, do you notice something at this point here? The answers from Philip and Andrew, the answers that they gave were very, very economic answers. One talked about demand was too big. The other talked about supply too small. But there are some learnings we can glimpse from this answer. Because very often, these are the same two fears when we look at how we handle money. Firstly, when it comes to money, we are afraid there are too many demands in our lives. We're worried that they can be overwhelming. We're worried that if um, our kids' education need more money. We're worried, what if interest rate continues to rise and our mortgage becomes unaffordable. we worry about inflation that rises out of control and can we afford our future medical needs. These are fears that demands are too high in our lives. Secondly, we're worried about that the money we have in our lives is not enough. How can five loaves two fish be sufficient? How can I continue to feed my family with this income? Is my saving sufficient for retirement? There is fear that supply of money in our life is not enough. Now, all this what-ish scares us and it makes us insecure because we are looking at things from a pure economic lens and I'm not suggesting that we ignore them because I'm an accountant and not only that, my wife is also an accountant and hence we're pretty conservative when it comes to finances hence I think we should take all these economic factors quite seriously but taking this factor into consideration doesn't mean We need to fear them. In fact, I believe God wanted us to consider all these factors. And that was the reason why He asked the question in the first place. And intentionally, where are we to buy bread so that they can eat? Hence, understanding the fear was necessary but inadequate. Instead of focusing on our fear, Jesus wanted us to turn on our spiritual lens and turn our attention on God. We need to also understand God's provision. And today, Bible text in this passage pointed us to three principles of God's provision that we can depend on. Principle number one, bring them to me. Now, in the same story illustrated in Matthew 14, verses 17 to 18, it reads here. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. Jesus' response to five loaves and two fish was, bring them to me. Jesus did not say, oh, that's so little. Why do you even mention it? He said bring them to me jesus did not say go look for food yourself he said bring whatever you have to me neither did jesus suddenly create a buffet table and said let's feast he said bring what you have to me there is something about bring them to me but here's the question sorry god what do we bring to you? There are two things that we can bring to him. First, I think we can consider bringing our problem to him. Because when Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Why did he ask it? Jesus wanted his disciples to think about how big the problem was and then bring it to him. To Jesus, it doesn't matter how big. Our problem or how small our problem is, because it is okay to come to him with our problems. The second thing that he wants us to bring to him is to surrender what we have on hand to him. When the disciple brought five loaves and two fish to Jesus, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing, something beautiful happened at that point in time. The loaves just started to multiply and the fish started to multiply as they distributed jesus used whatever we have to multiply it he could have just created it isn't it easier for jesus to just create it just create something but that was not what he wanted he wanted us to surrender to him You see, the act of surrender is an act of faith. The act of surrender is an act of faith. It doesn't matter how little we have, because He will multiply it. First principle we touched on was bring them to Him. Now the second principle was that you will be satisfied. And this is found in John 6.12. It said that, and when they had eaten their few, in other words, they were satisfied. And remember, there were 5,000 people and they were all satisfied. No one needs to rush for food because there's enough to go around. No one walks away hungry and they add to their few. And this was very, very similar to what? This was very similar to how God fed the Israelites out of Egypt with manna no one went away hungry during that period the third principle from jesus was not only will you be satisfied it will also be more than enough for everyone john 6 13 said that so they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten indeed god's provision is more than sufficient. Now, we started today's passage with Jesus asking the disciples the important question of where do we get bread for everyone to eat? And remember earlier, we asked this question, what exactly was Jesus testing on? I suggest that it was a question that tested their heart. In other words, it was not a question that was looking for a perfect answer. Instead, it was a question to test where their fears was and where their true confidence lies. It was an important question that reviewed two economic fears, that having too many demands in our life, and secondly, not having enough money, or money not enough. Not only does God knew of these two concerns, as the master architect of our lives, God also gave us the assurance of His three provision that we can bring our problem and what we have to Him, that we will be satisfied in Him, and that He is always more than enough for us. Now, finally, we come to the big question. How do we use our money? How do we use our money? There are four common ways to use our money. The first way to use our money is that we can spend it. How many of you like to spend money? (laughs) Wow, you guys are very, very holy. (laughs) Let me be upfront clear that there is nothing wrong with spending money. We have needs in our life, and we need to spend money. We spend on education. We spend on technology. We spend on clothing, we spend on health, we spend on food, we even spend on holidays, right? And one of the things I find very important for me and my wife to do is that we spend on holiday. It's very important for me especially to rest from work and to enjoy and experience the nature. Now the crucial question then is how we spend our money. I think that's more important. And the Bible talks a lot about how we ought to spend or not to spend our money. One of them is in the parable of the prodigal son. The Bible shows us how he had spent the money selfishly, stupidly, and short-sightedly. We don't have the time today to dwell into how we can apply the principle, but perhaps in another time, In our session the second way that we can use our money is that we can save it who likes saving money here well much more people like saving money than spending money here all right I love saving money right Um, that's because I I do grow up in a not so well-off family I was taught at a very young age to save money for rainy days right but these days saving money also include investing your money you know But however, you know, looking at the current financial situation, sometimes it's volatile and investing there may not yield you a positive gain in the short run. So hence, invest your money with wisdom and caution in the Lord. The third way to use our money is that we can share it. We share money with our parents. We share money with our children. We share money with charity even share money with friends or even those who are in need. I think this is a very important part of our Christian journey that we learn to share it. And this is totally biblical as we are called to be filial to our parents, take good care of our family and do good to society. Fourth way to use our money is of course, we can sacrifice it to God. And I believe many of us here do that. We set aside 10% of our income and we tied it. And of course, some of you may tie more than 10%, which I totally applaud you for that. I think more importantly is that God sees your act of sacrifice with a willing heart. Now, all these four ways spending it, saving it, sharing it, sacrificing it are all common and legitimate ways that we use our money and they are not mutually exclusive and we prioritise them according to our different seasons in life. I would like, however, to introduce to you the fifth way, and which we also start with an S, may not be too common, and I'd like us to also consider that we can surrender our money to God you ask what's the difference between surrender versus sacrifice. Now the difference is, in sacrifice, we set aside our tithing as part of our worship to God. But when it comes to surrender, we are ready to respond when God calls us to. And let me clarify that surrendering does not always, it may, but it does not always mean 100% but it is something that God asks you to. When Jesus asked, how can we feed the people, there was a boy with five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them to me. Have you ever wondered what went through the mind of the small boy? Was he tempted to tell Jesus sorry, Jesus, I'm so hungry and I need the food. Can I just give you 10%? Maybe i just give you one loaf instead of the five loaves, two fish. Was he panicking because he's about to lose his nasi lemak? Or do you think he was very eager to see what Jesus was about to do with it? Now how would your response be if Jesus were to ask you, how can we feed the hunger in Sri Lanka? Or how can we feed the spiritual hunger in Timor-Leste? Are you prepared to surrender what Jesus asked you to? Now in May this year, the church board had our retreat in Thailand. And one of the churches that we visited was this church called The Blessing of Ayutthaya. Now this is a small church of around 50 members. And they were looking to move from this rented place to a land to build their own church. One big challenge that they had to do was to raise the soil on the ground in order to start building the church. And they calculated that they needed 1,900 trucks of dirt to do that. And hence, they asked the congregation to sponsor trucks of dirt. So the congregation can give money to sponsor X number of trucks of dirt. Right, I felt it's, it's kind of interesting because it's a very tangible way of giving. Not an easy journey because 1,900 trucks is quite a lot. Now, the boy in picture, he's um, 10 years old. He's the son of a single parent. He came forward and he sponsored two trucks. Not a lot, but to this young boy, it was everything that he saved for the past year. And he originally planned to buy his favourite toy with his money. But when he heard the need, he said, this was the needful thing to do. This was the needful thing to do. And he surrendered all to God. Now what was amazing here was not just a story of surrendering to God, What was amazing was what happened after he gave. The rest of the congregation saw this boy gave the two trucks with everything that he has. And the congregation was so touched by this act of faith of this young boy that inspired them to also give. this inspired so many to step forward to give as well. Two trucks out of 1,900 trucks was just 1%. Five loaves, two fish fed 5,000 people. Our God multiplies. When we surrender to Him. Now, isn't it interesting why God always asks us to look at a child's faith? In conclusion, I just want to end with this verse in Luke, twelve, fifteen to twenty-one. And I'm, if I may, can I ask a musician to come up? Luke twelve, fifteen to twenty-one. And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there, I will store all my grains and my goods. And I say to my soul, So you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasures, or himself and is not reached towards God on April 15th this year I was standing here at this exact spot to present the AGM financial report as a church treasurer Now it was never an easy task to face the congregation members to explain what and how did we use the money for the church especially when every year, it's a completely different story Completely different scenario The church and the church want Make decision on how we use this money That the congregation gave To the church And we need, we need to give an account For those decisions that we made And more importantly Why did we make those decisions? Let me tell you why it was tough work It was tough work because We need to be ready to also answer difficult questions but hold on let's think about it a second here wouldn't this be how we would stand before God one day wouldn't this be how we would stand before God one day you and I will also need to explain how we use our talents that He has blessed us would this be how? We need to also explain to God how we use our gifting, resources, and of course, money. Have you thought about how your account to God would look like? Now, today's topic is called Our Money in God's Hand. And I enjoy the journey of exploring through the question of how we can put our money in God's hand now however at the end of the process I've actually arrived at asking myself a different question instead of asking the question of how should we put our money in God's hand I felt that I should be asking how do we use God's money in our hand. Let me repeat that. Instead of asking myself, how should I put my money in God's hand, I should be asking, how do I use God's money in my hand? When we change the question, our perspective shifted from anthropocentric to theocentric, from self-centric to God-centric. Do you want to see it as your money in God's hand or God's money in your hand? Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for all things, all things that You have blessed us with. Whether it's talent, whether it's resources, whether it's money. Lord, You said in Your Scripture, in Matthew 6, that do not be anxious about your life, what you would eat or what you would drink. It's not about your body what you put on. And Jesus, you said, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And Jesus, you said, consider the lilies of the field how they grow they neither toy nor spin yet I tell you even Solomon's in all his glory was not array like one of this Lord help us to truly believe your words and to have courage and faith to surrender when you ask us to help us be your doers of your words and not just hearers of your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Let's rise and respond to the message with the song Christ is enough for me. by myself.
0: Now, don't worry, I'm not going to give an altar call where we all take out our wallets. We all put our money on the stage here and then you all go home like, ah. I could do that, but I won't. I like us to think about this song, though. You say, price is enough. What does that mean to you in relation to money? If let's say you had 10 bucks. That's it, $10. Would you be able to sing this song? Christ is enough. Seriously, think about that for a second. If you had 10 bucks, that's it. We have $5. Let's say 10 cents. That's all you had. Would you be able to sing, Price is Enough? I know for me, I would say, God, it's not enough. If we are honest about it, we need to examine our hearts and say, How real is this song for our lives? How real is this song? think about that just for a second how real is this song so let's say I've got nothing left all it is is I can say Christ is enough let's just pretend for a second nothing else is Christ really enough if it is if he is when we sing Christ is enough I encourage us to do this sing it as you mean it, Christ, you are enough for me, shall we lift up our voice, let's sing this, Christ is enough for me, one, two, three,
1: and Christ. Christ is enough for me,
0: what it means that Christ indeed, you are enough for us, God. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of life that you've given to us. We thank you, Lord, for your provision in our lives. Lord, we ask that you grant us wisdom when it comes to the use of our money. And Lord, as Nelson has challenged us, Lord, teach us what it means to use God's money when it's in our hands so that truly indeed, we live our lives in your hands. Would you lift up your hands before the Lord right now as I pronounce the benediction that's found in Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever.